0: All right, today we're going to talk about Hildegard for just a little bit in preparation for tonight's Sound of Ages concert, 7.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Get ready. Coming at you is short episode of Early Music Monday. So Hildegard is such a fascinating, almost legend. I mean, when you think of the slang, form of the word, she's a legend. She is. When you think of it literally, she seems like a literal legend. Almost too good to be, almost too fantastical to be a real person. She is extremely real. And the cool thing about Hildegard is, well, several things. The first thing that comes to my mind when I think of Hildegard that's like mind-blowingly huge is that she's one of the first composers, if not the first composer, of Western classical music where she, regardless of how it was back then, to have her name assigned to the composition. Before her, there were a lot of anon or anonymous texts, or uh, compositions set to texts, but not her. And so it's kind of like she's the Eve of Western classical music. It's pretty incredible. Chant had existed... Liturgically, for I don't know, three ish hundred years before, but by the time we get to the 1100s, which is about the time when she lived, um, she was writing monophonic composition in these church modes or scales, but they weren't based on any pre existing chant, she was composing them. You know, they were originally composed every single note. And it's what began the Western classical tradition, because that turned into the next era, which was, you know, single line doubled at the fourth. You have this organum movement, and then you have multiple voices happening at the same time. And then you have actual meter, and it just melts into the Renaissance and into Baroque, and then off we go. So Hildegard's significance can't be understated to me because it re- she's the Eve. She is Eve, Saint Hildegard. She was also the first, like, saint who was venerated by the church. It took a long time, but... And so it's just really amazing to me that, you know, back then women were sort of not seen as equal to men, but had these two great firsts accomplished by a woman because she was a prophetess, she had visions, she was a really prolific writer. And so she would write letters that were beautiful and could be understood easily by you know, these impoverished people seeking penitence. But then she also wrote to kings and popes who were asking for her advice on spiritual matters. She wrote theological treatises. She wrote uh, treatises on like herbal remedies and holistic medicine. And she wrote, there's probably, well, there's a collection of 77 songs that form a liturgical cycle, that she's set, so, and it seems like they're just, there's this really strong improvisatory feeling to her compositions, and so, a lot of times, you'll have, in performances, you'll hear this pedal drone tone, which is performed by the Hurdy-Gurdy, in a lot of recordings, that's a fun word, say it, hurdy-gurdy, 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 and it's this just kind of like, if you combined an organ and a cello, so you turn this wheel thing, and there's a circular bow underneath the strings that just constantly is bowing across the strings to create this, and uh, somehow it makes the, I don't know exactly how it works, but then it makes the organ go as well and then there's these keys on it that you play different pitches with the organ while the string drone happens it is wild wow here's a short clip of what a hurdy-gurdy sounds like Anyway, so you'd have that medieval instrument or other voices singing this drone tone, and then it just seems like whoever the soloist is is just improvising this very modal, very expressive and lush melody that is really emotional and really transports you. It's a it's pretty incredible how sensual the music is for that time. Um, And, you know, she was a nun, uh, obviously. And she just plays this really important part in history. The other fascinating thing is, is she was so devoted when she was young in the convent, you know, she, she almost fasted herself to death, like, several times. And she she probably had uh, there. There's some debate, but some commentators today, in today's terms, says that she probably suffered from chronic migraines, and and all these things. And she finally like, and also she lived in, in her into her eighties, which was insane for that time. It's like double, and then some. The The life expectancy rate almost. And uh, so there's this quick story I'll share. She, when she was 42 years old, she finally like built up the courage to talk and like speak out on some of her experiences to the church so she said heaven was opened in a fiery light of exceeding brilliance came and permeating my whole my whole brain and inflamed my whole heart and my whole breast um she said that the heavenly voice told her to share her insights with the world and in 1141 her abbot agreed that you know she should write those down and that someone needed to record those because she was a prophetess, so news of her prophetic visions reached the Pope, and he sent a bunch of people and delegates to where she was, and got copies of the things that she was writing, these treatises, and um, that's how she got the reputation she did. Um, So her first treatise, well, is a couple of books actually and it trans it's called Skivias and it translates to know the way i think that's really profound and it took her 10 years to finish and it consists of like 400 letters and a couple of theological books and one well one of them was on healing one of them was that, about just medicine in general and some music and poetry was the Scivias, so it's pretty incredible her her life story, and I think that for us at our concert this evening, us opening with Hildegard, "O Virtus Sapientiae," is a really great way to start off Songs of Meditation because it puts you in that state to receive your own version of visions. Whether, the, whether you find that to be spiritual revelations or thoughts about your own life or breakthroughs in things that you're thinking about or emotional healing or whatever, fill in the blank here, Hildegard, her music is immensely powerful because it kind of encapsulates that... The fact that she was having those visions and that kind of experience and she was so wise that it, it has this air of, you know, the otherworldly to it. So, there you go. Hildegard. We're going to talk more about Hildegard in another episode and we'll go a little bit more in depth into any of that. But I wanted to just give you a little taste for the concert tonight. Again, concert tonight, 7.30 Mountain Standard Time. If you're in the Utah area, please go. It's going to be amazing. Live audience, singing without masks. It's going to be incredible. If you're not in the area, tune in to the YouTube live stream. It will be linked in the show notes, and you'll be able to catch us there. And we'll catch you next time on Early Music Monday.